Hi, my name's Madalena Kay, and I'm the host of the podcast AI and You, produced by Europod in partnership with Podium Podcast, Agence France Press, and Cora Media. In AI and You, we deal with the history of AI and how it is having an impact on our lives. From social relationships to employment, from climate change to wars and security. Is AI changing our world for the better or the worse? Come and check it out for yourself. Subscribe to AI and You wherever you listen to podcasts. You're a bad. I know so many companies where you have an all-male board. So, for example, eight white men sitting on the board. I can tell you no one receives the question, are you sure that these are the best candidates? Are you sure nobody was better? So it is so typical that whenever you have 10 men that are uh, appointed, nobody asks whether they're good, and you nominate one woman, and she has to prove why she is the best. According to Eurostat, 229 million women live in the EU. That's 4.6% more than men. However, fewer women make it to the top of society. When it comes to decision-making and board levels, women are underrepresented. As the Gender Diversity Index shows, there are only 7% of female CEOs and just 35% of women on boards in EU top companies. On the 22nd of November this year, 10 years later than expected, the European Union finally approved a directive that will force all member states to increase the presence of women on boards. Why has it taken so long to have a law aimed at closing the gender gap? How will this help women break the glass ceiling? Welcome to Europe Talks Back, a podcast that shines a light on often unreported stories from across Europe. My name is Alexander Damiano Ricci. Coming up next in this podcast, the EU makes room for women on board. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. We'll be right back. With the Women on Boards Directive, the EU has marked a historical moment for gender equality in Europe. The journey of this EU law has been long and faced some criticism among member states. That is why, for the first part of this episode, I will be speaking to our editor, Maria Dios, to grasp what the Women on Boards Directive will change and what it will do at the national level. You will also listen to some relevant voices from the EU institutions that made the directive a reality. For the second part of the episode, Maria will interview herself, one female CEO from the banking sector and chair of the European Women on Boards Association, Hedwige Noyon. Hedwige Noyon will explain why the Women on Boards Directive matters, both from a personal and a professional perspective. 
So, Maria, tell me, what is this Woman on Board Directive all about? The so-called Woman on Board Directive is a long-awaited piece of legislation aimed to boost gender balance in corporate boards of large listed EU companies across all member states. More precisely, this law will force companies to have 40% of the underrepresented sex among non-executive directors, or 33% for all board members by June 2026. And listen, for how long has this been in the making, so to speak? For 10 years, a wow. decade. Yes, the Commission launched the proposal on gender balance in company boards in November of 2012. And while the European Parliament adopted its position in 2013, the Council could not reach an agreement with some of the member states that considered these binding measures at the EU level were not the best way to move with it. So mm. it has been blocked for a decade. Wow, ages. Now, why is this directive relevant in the European context? Well, that lack of agreement led to some countries taking measures to close the gender gap on boards while the other didn't. So the outcome is that currently women account for just 30% of board members of the EU's biggest firms. And do we already know what will happen next now? So the directive will enter into force 20 days after its publication. It has been finally approved by the European Parliament on the 22 of uh, November. And member states will have two years to transpose its provisions into national laws. And they will have to ensure that companies strive to meet the target. Plus, they will be required to set up a penalty system for companies that fail to meet the new standards. Right. Listen, what has been, if any, the main criticism to this directive? I guess there has been a debate, unnecessary, obviously, inside institutions, but probably also more largely in society. What can we say about the criticism that reached this directive? Some of the critics are simply related to the use of quotas in the sense that it could lead companies to appoint women to board seats based on gender rather than merit. So that's like the main criticism behind it. And also on a national level, some countries such as Sweden, Slovakia, Hungary and Estonia have argued that this topic is a matter for national governments to address rather than the EU. Right. So in the second part of this interview, you bring in an expert to discuss these topics. Who's that? I will be speaking to Edwish Nguyen, and she's a chair at the European Women's On Board Association. Great. So looking forward to listening to that one. Thank you, Maria. Thank you. Before I leave the floor to Maria interviewing our guest, we wanted to share a couple of highlights from the debate within the EU institutions around the Women on Board Directive. So let's first listen to the co-rapporteur of the EU Directive at the European Parliament, the Social Democrats, Evelyn Regner. This was, it is possible, thanks to the commitment from all three institutions, somewhere a little bit slower, I mean, uh, you know that, and uh, of the many, many strong women working very hard and constructively together to achieve a common goal. So we made it happen. We finally eradicate the male quota for company boards. This instead is the closing statement from Helena Dalli, European Commissioner for Equality during the plenary of the European Parliament. The adoption of this directive is a step on the road to gender equality in Europe. 
I am sure that the citizens of Europe and businesses will benefit from its effect. The directive will help dismantle the barriers that prevent qualified women from arriving at the top. We'll be right back. Edwige Miriand is chair of the European Women on Boards. At this non-profit association, Edwige plays a key role advocating for more diversity in corporations and society across the EU. The European Women on Boards promotes gender equality in decision-making and helps women across the European Union accessing board-level positions. This is me speaking to Edwige Nguyen. Edwige, we have invited you today for your role at the European Women on Board, an association that advocates for gender equality in companies. But you're also an inspiration for women at the peak of their careers. You have more than 35 years of experience in the finance sector and currently you are CEO of the International Banking Federation. So my first question to you is... How has this journey been? Have you encountered any glass ceilings on your way? Well, of course, because you don't have that many women in top positions, certainly not at the European or international level. So I started very courageously when I finished my studies. I've never had a role model, Maria. And as soon as I tried and I have had a couple of problems, of course, on the way. But uh, after a few years, I was convinced that uh, with my experience, I could perhaps help other women. And that is something I've been doing for more than 20 years. And now we're with the chairmanship of uh, the European Women on Boards. It's really something I enjoy to do a lot, learn from our own experience and then creating allyships and help other women. Do you have any examples from your early career that would like to share? Yes, with pleasure. So I was very good at studying, but I was uh, totally not aware of uh, the rules of the game in business, the rule of the games in corporates, where it's not uh, only about who is working hard or who is uh, very experienced, but it's so important to be visible. It's so important to build your network. So that's certainly one of the first things I had to learn, not only to work hard, but also make it clear to others and work towards your boss. And then second is when we had our first child, my husband and myself, everyone was expecting me to work part-time. And so it's social bias, social expectation. And my husband said, no, you like to work. I don't like to do it as much. So let's find an arrangement. So that's the second part I had to learn. And I really help many women to do the same. Choose your own life and your own way you like to do it and organize your family life and your work. Many things have changed regarding women's rights since you started your career, but there is still more to be done. In all member states, men make up the majority of board directors. What does it mean to take out women from policymaking? That's at the heart of what we want. Uh, we think that uh, equality of men and women in decision-making is utmost importance, especially as now, Maria, you, you might not know, but 60% of university students are uh, women young girls. So the majority of the intake of the experience and the talent that comes into the workplace is female. Losing all that talent when you're going up the ranks 
is extremely damageable for corporates. And still we have to face uh, a lot of buys and hidden rules and uh, glass ceilings. And so with the European Women on Boards, we, we, we try to help and to figure out how to help women, how to help companies uh, to access talent and to uh, unleash the biases and make it more easy for women to, uh, to go through the ranks. Let's look at the numbers. Currently, what are the percentage of women on boards and female CEOs in Europe? Do you have the data? Yes, I, I do. And it's uh, very important to know that uh, actually at board level, the board level is actually the, the highest possible uh, committee in a corporate things have moved a little bit already. And depending on the country you are in, in Europe, you might have seen change or not at all. So France, for example, has been working with objectives for 20 years now. And currently in France, 43% of board members are women. Half of the states in the European Union did nothing. And so the worst possible countries have less than 10% women in board level. So first lesson, board, lots has changed, but it depends on the country. On the other way, if you look at the executive la uh, layer, so where the implementation of the strategy is going on, there approximately we would have 20%. So European average for board is 30%. European average for executive roles is 20, so way less. And then if you look at the CEOs, the top row, only 7% of CEOs in Europe are women. So you can see that really there are a number of steps to be taken and it only changes, Maria, when there is an intention, a focused strategy to make things happen. Thanks for the overview. This leads me to many questions. In which country women are less represented? Some smaller countries like Estonia, Cyprus, Malta. But uh, there are also some bigger countries where for all kinds of reasons it has been more complicated. So you know in uh, Poland, you name Hungary. But even surprisingly in um, Switzerland, which is not EU, but also Germany, The figures show that uh, women uh, have not uh, been helped a lot to uh, move to board or CEO positions. In your opinion, why do you think this is happening? It very much depends on two things. It, it can be culture, so expectation of society, because, for example, Denmark, Denmark, where society is very equal, the power play and the, the center of the power at, uh, at company level is still, is still very much uh, male dominated. In other countries, it's really because politicians, politics have not wanted to implement any kind of objective or rule. So it can be society, it can be politics, and it can be some uh, sometimes a little bit old-fashioned corporate guard where it's still very much an old man's boy, an old boys club where it's very difficult for women to enter. From what you're saying, it's very clear that rules are needed to close the gap. What kind of measures have been put in place in the member states in recent years? Yes, so one of the first ones was France, as I said. So France was uh, very much uh, at the head of this and they are at 43%. Norway, in the EU as well, are at 40%. Uh, other states like my own home country, Belgium, uh, have put forward 33% uh, as a target. Italy is doing very well with a target of 40%. Uh, so in the majority of states where you have an objective, things have progressed. 
unlikely in countries where nothing was done or where, for example, there was a, a target with, with no measures at all, uh, no sanctions, no incentives, things have not changed. In Greece, for example, there is a, uh, an objective of 25%. That's too low. You really need to have at least 33-40% to make things change. And then there is one exception. Uh, Finland, for example, where they agreed with the companies, uh, you can do it on your own. The companies were not in favor of regulation, uh, but they said, we're going to prove you wrong and we're going to do it on our own. And politics says, if you uh, move forward, it's okay. And if we see no change, we will regulate. And that's helped. So in Finland, for example, even without regulation, we are at 37%. To end the disparity of measures put in place across Europe, the EU has finally approved a directive for gender equality on company boards. Has this regulation the power to help women break the glass ceiling in all member states? Well, with this uh, regulation, that's uh, exactly what we want. And so it's uh, unbelievable that uh, after 10 years, finally, we uh, have this regulation uh, voted now. So it means that we have one target, 40%, 40% that is uh, the target for all EU countries, so the 27 countries, and we just have less than four years to get there. What is also very interesting, Maria, is that it is not a quota, because quota is a loaded world. What is in the directive is that each stock-listed company in each of those countries has to set up a target themselves. They have to publish the target, say which actions they are going to take. And very important, when you have a new board mandate that has to be filled in, criteria should be transparent, who is going to be chosen based on what experience. And that is a big way forward, a big step forward. We want actually the best candidate to be selected. And we are very much convinced that once that we will have experience-based and expert-based candidates, we will see many more women nominated. Some of the criticism behind this law is related to the use of quotas that could lead to companies to appoint women to board seats based on gender rather than merit. What's your take on this? Yeah, I've been uh, getting this answer so many times. And I can tell you, Maria, look at the figures. I know so many companies where you have an all-male board. So, for example, eight white men sitting on the board. I can tell you, Maria, no one receives the question, are you sure that these are the best candidates? Are you sure nobody was better? So it is so typical that whenever you have 10 men that are uh, appointed, nobody asks whether they're good, and you nominate one woman, and she has to prove why she is the best. So I would rather reverse it. So if we have 70% men in boards, I can tell you that half of them are not the best candidates. So I can tell you it's very, very complicated to find an incompetent woman to nominate on the board. On average, they are very much trained, overtrained, very good at the knowledge you need in boards in terms of sustainability, in terms of long-term uh, relevance and, and competence for companies. So, well, the, the directive is clear. You have to have a transparent selection process. You need to say how you're going to select based on what. And the directive says you have to nominate the best 
candidate. And it's only if you have an equal quality of men and women, then you have to choose for the one that is less represented in the board. The proposal includes effective and proportionate penalties for companies that fail to comply with open and transparent appointment procedures. Are penalties really necessary? That depends uh, on the country. So the directive is not saying what should be in it precisely. The directive says that each country has now to implement the the directive and the objective in national law and has to foresee those incentives and penalties that are appropriate for that country. So as I said, in Finland, we didn't need penalties. In France, you would never have seen change without a clear directive. In the Netherlands as well, the last uh, law was very clear. If you do not have sufficient women, every additional man will not be able to be nominated. So it very much depends on the country, but it is not a free game. So it means that the directive says the country will have to prove and will have to show that there is progress and so that the measures and the regulation they have put in place are proven to be efficient to get that 40%. And it's just by June 2026. So we only have little, a little uh, less than four years to get there. Several countries, including Sweden, Slovakia, Hungary and Estonia, argue that the issue of gender balance on company boards is a matter for national governments to address rather than the EU. What is the role of the national governments? Do you agree with the critics? It's a very good question because, of course, in normally Europe is only acting when the national uh, regulation is not working properly. That is uh, approximately how it works. And so, actually, the EU has been very patient because uh, the first uh, regulation proposed was in 2012. So we've seen what happened because in 2012 it was stopped precisely because of that argument. And so we could see in those 10 years what has evolved. And it is very, very uh, clear that in those states where something changed at nas national level, things have moved forward. But more as half of the EU countries never did anything and are still um, having those very low uh, percentage of women. So I think that the critics have proven themselves wrong and uh, that now uh, we have a very big majority at uh, EU level who has actually supported the, the directive. So when we had uh, the last um, discussion at European Council level, Maria, only two countries opposed finally, whereas 10 years ago it was much more. So that's extremely rare at European level that you have so such a big uh, agreement and approval for a directive. Let's pause there for a second and look to the future. What are the next steps? So next steps, of course, implementation of the regulation in the 27 countries. Very interesting. Uh, we as European Women on Boards, we are ready with a full package to help uh, countries and help corporates uh, to uh, pick up uh, the roles. So we have a talent pool available of 1,000 women ready to be appointed. We help corporates that want to change something or see how they can amend their procedures to get better talent on board. We are ready to help executive search firms 
to uh, have a much broader database of contacts, of potential talent. And we are also there to help women. So everyone in this audience, if you would like to see uh, whether you can uh, move on to such position, if you're interested, you can very easily uh, link with LinkedIn, with website, whatever. And we have a full program ready and a network, a community of friends and allies and many, many men actually as well, Maria, to help us. And perhaps uh, last but not least, lots of critics also on why only women? Why uh, is that directive not uh, addressing also other kinds of diversity? And that's precisely what we are doing at uh, European Women on Boards. We have a target for ourselves to have at least 20% in our talent pool of underrepresented groups. So we want to be there ready, talented women from all kinds of origin, education, financial background. So we believe that diversity in all its forms will help companies to be better and better performing. And lastly, if you were speaking to a young woman starting her career, what would you say to her? Time has never been better to move on and to show what you would like to do. So that's one thing. Uh, it's an extremely good moment to put forward and to be ambitious and to try to uh, move on. And second, time has never been better to stay who you are because uh, there is no way in trying to become a clone of what exists already. It's really needed to have people like you, talent like you, young, young, uh, young adults, young potentials, who want a better world, who are in for a mission, a purpose, a value-driven world. So I think uh, you have a lot to give and companies need you. Edwidge, thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. We'll be right back. You can follow Edwige on Twitter at Edwige Nouillon. That's H-E-D-W-I-G-E-N-U-Y-E-N-S. To take a look at the work of Edwige and her colleagues, you can visit europeanwomenonboards.eu. And this is it for this week's episode of Europe Talks Back. The producer of Europe Talks Back is Antoine Lheureux. Sound design is by Jeremy Bouquet. Editing and mixing is by Jeremy Bouquet and Thomas Kosberg. Editorial background research and script writing by Maria Dios. Interviews are by Maria Dios. Promotion and marketing by Bianca Bittencourt. My name is Alexander Damian Ricci. We'll be back next Friday.